Today, we want to lift the hood on the world of marriage counseling and look at one particular approach and how it works. If you've ever been curious about what happens in the counseling room or are considering counseling, there's a lot more to it than you might think. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have a revealing episode for you this week, and I love all the adjectives that I get to say every week, Caleb. Mm-hmm. This is episode number 171, and today we're going to be talking about how marriage counseling works. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed how to make the most of your marriage when one of you struggles with mental health. That is worth going back and checking out. And also make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. We... uh I think we mentioned in our last episode that we had a flood in our house and that's caused us some uh, disruption, but we're back in business now. At least we think we are. (laughs) Yeah, not ideal, but it's working. Yes. If you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice. And most of all, we offer hope. So, you know, you come up with all these great adjectives, but I think that's the best one right there is we offer hope. Hope, yeah. Which isn't an adjective, but that's okay. Let's get started, Caleb, in the topic of marriage counseling. Yeah. So quite often you hear the horror stories of counseling, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the ones that go well, sometimes people don't talk about them. They just right, enjoy the benefits. Right, right. And also there's a stigma around mental health itself. And although a distressed marriage is not a mental health problem necessarily, or usually at all, we rarely, you know, couples rarely discuss their struggles, at a, like yeah. the real struggles that they're having. We like to appear that we have it all together. And I think us church going folk are even more prone to this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. But I mean, you do hear the horror stories when things don't go well Yeah, and people open up. Yeah. So you do get some terrible advice coming from people who call themselves counselors and uh, some of them are legit counselors, like in that they're licensed yeah. and so on. Yeah. But this is one of the reasons why I'm going to pull the hood back on this today is to show like, mm-hmm. you know, what a qualified marriage counselor mm-hmm. looks like. Like Caleb, I think if your marriage is struggling and you're going for marriage counseling and your counselor tells you to date other people. That's bad advice. That's bad advice. Yeah. That's one horror story that we know of. Or another one, like uh, if your husband's a porn addict and your wise friend slash mentor slash whatever tells you that you just need to initiate sex more. That's terrible advice. Yeah. Yeah. And Why do I get to hear all the bad examples? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. When it comes to choosing a marriage counselor, though, it can be pretty scary because your marriage is a big deal, right? And And often folks, by the time they try marriage counseling, they feel like it's their last ditch and they don't want to just hand that off to anybody. Yeah, for sure. So, and we're on board with you. We want you to find the right person. Now, I need to say that this episode is not an extended advertisement for our services. So I just kind of, as I was writing this, I'm like, well, this is, I don't want this to sound like it's self-promoting all the way through. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I Uh, mean, it is going to be somewhat because you use this, don't you? I do use this, but... I understand too that not everybody wants an online counselor. And I understand too that there's a lot of mystery around counseling. Yeah. And that's really where I'm trying to go is to demystify 
tell you what happens, why it works, what, what you need to look for in a therapist, because we want to help okay. reach as many marriages as we can. If we can help yours, that's great. But if you, if you get help for your marriage, that's ultimately what makes me happy. Right. Okay. So the things I'm going to say and just reveal on this episode are important facts that you need to know, whether you decide to work with someone from my counseling practice or whether you find a, a local therapist to work with. Okay. And the first thing that you need to know is that not all counseling degrees are created equal. And maybe I should say that differently in the sense that not all counseling degrees focus on the same subject area. Right. So okay. when a person is earning their master's degree in order to become a therapist, their school and the degree program they choose will generally orient itself around a particular school of thought. Okay. And there's multiple schools of thought. There's a plethora of flavors out there, which I won't get into. But when it comes to marriage counseling, you should know that there are a number of universities around North America that offer marriage and family therapy programs specifically. So these kinds of degrees have less focus on specific mental health problems like anxiety disorders or even addictions. And they focus very much on relationships, on how humans interact, on how children learn to love and relate to others, on marriage dynamics and on family systems. So when you choose a therapist, the first thing you should filter on is their education. When I say that, when you choose a therapist for marriage work, that's what right. my assumption right. all the way through here, right? If you have uh, like agoraphobia, a marriage therapist is not your best choice. Right. But for marriage, the first thing you should filter on is their education. Do they have a degree that specializes in marriage and family? And usually you'll see this, not always. So, you know, this is not a carte blanche. There's some people with like a master of counseling degree, but the school that they went to focused on marriage and family therapy. Oh, okay. So yep. sometimes you're going to have to ask, but generally you're looking for an MAMFT or something with an MFT in their credentials, marriage and family therapy. In the U.S., there's LMFTs, licensed marriage and family therapists. They okay. really sp are specifically in that field. So if you're not sure, ask about the person's training. Mm -hmm. And again, there's people like myself, like I'm a, I have a master of arts in marriage and family therapy, but I'm a registered clinical counselor. That's my licensing designation. But the RCC doesn't indicate anything about family. And yet I advertise myself as a marriage therapist, oh, right? So that would okay. be a circumstance under which you just want to ask the question, like, is your schooling in marriage counseling, in marriage background specifically, or is it a general? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. So... That's the first thing, the education. The second thing you want to look for is if the therapist has a specific approach to marriage counseling that is evidence-based. Now, evidence-based means that they're using a treatment approach which has been tested and tried through research and peer-reviewed journals. So, oh, Caleb, this just reminds me of more bad. More bad? Counseling. Oh, what was that? Like the premarital counseling when somebody told us that the big thing they focused on was pasta, whether you liked macaroni or spaghetti like or something. Or it's absurd. Yeah. So keep going. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing about like the good stuff. Yeah. We need to get past that one. <laughs> so sorry. Yeah. I'll just noodle on to the next one. <laughs> okay. Just keep going. <laughs> Surprisingly, um, there's only a handful of marriage approaches that have been actually tested and proven okay. to be successful for most people. So if you want to give your marriage the best chance of success, you do well to ensure that you're selecting a counselor who uses an evidence-based approach. Okay. So that's, that's jargon, but it's jargon you need to know. Right. Now, there's actually like a handful. I think there's five or six maybe. Okay. But as far as I can tell, the two most popular are emotionally focused couples therapy, sometimes called EFT or EFCT, and the Gottman method. Now, I've taken specific training in both of these on top of my MFT degree, as has my colleague in my practice, Jesse Schellenberg. And they're mm -hmm. quite different, these two approaches, but they are very complementary. 
And both of us favor EFCT as our preferred approach. About 90% of couples, and this is in their evidence-based research, this is not in our practice yeah. uh, that I'm quoting these numbers from, but and about 90% of couples show significant improvements using this approach. And we'll okay. talk more about success rates in a moment, but 90% is incredible. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. Right? So you want to invest in something that has a proven track record. So how does this work, Caleb? Good question. Like EFCT, we'll talk about that specifically. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'll work hard to break the scientific jargon, the psychobabble into English, but they're... And I'll work hard to make sure you do too. Thank you very much. <laughs> but okay. there, there's some key principles that I want to identify out of it that are important, that are fundamental to it. And it's just really fascinating to see what these are and then how they work and why they use them. Collaborative alliance, okay? That means that the couple needs to be coached to become allies in working through their difficulties and working together to discover solutions. So this is part of this EFCT approach. Okay. And the onus is on the therapist to facilitate this, like to help the couple get to this place. Okay. And so when you take this approach to marriage counseling, the relationship between the couple becomes the client or the target of therapy rather than each individual spouse. Inevitably, when people show up for therapy, Mm -hmm. like he's the jerk or she's the prude or something, you know, like the classic stereotypes, like it's all, you know, if if my spouse would, if you could fix my spouse, our marriage will be fine, Caleb. (laughs) Do people actually say that? Not that overtly, but they might as well. Like, Oh, okay. Like, and sometimes it's like, well, why don't you just say that? Because it's pretty obvious what you're thinking. <laughs> okay. But, you know, I'm very explicit with couples saying, that, you know, I'm not on his side. I'm not on her side. I'm on the side of your marriage. Oh, so it's balanced. And we're going to get okay. you guys working together to solve what happens between you, to fix what happens between you, not to fix your spouse. Okay. And that's what this collaborative alliance is. Yeah. Okay. So they, they're allies. They, mm-hmm. colla- they learn to collaborate. Now... The beauty of that, of course, is they carry that into their, after therapy, they carry that into their marriage. Right. They're, they share in the problem solving. Now, it's also what's called person-centered. Now, in its secular form, this approach views people as being essentially good and capable of making good and healthy choices. Now, as part of that, they see the bond, the attachment, the love kind of chemistry between the couple as being viewed as essentially good and healthy. Now, as Christians... Uh, we own the problem of sin, that that's a real issue. So I prefer mm-hmm. to look at it in the sense of acknowledging that people are created in the image of God, which is one source of goodness. Mm-hmm. But because of sin, which is the ways that we disobey God, we act against his law, we act in ways that are self-serving and self-preserving, that all kind of falls under that sin umbrella. Mm-hmm. I come to it differently, but it's still I still use the same interventions a Christian approach to EFCT also argues that the marriage bond is a universally positive and valuable connection that has the capacity to heal and strengthen individuals. But we have, we, we're looking to, we're looking for redemption. Okay. And, and yet there's, there is, you know, the EFCT and the biblical worldview do mesh together in the sense that both see marriage as a powerful place for individual growth. Okay. Uh, for example, the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. And EFCT is about creating a bond between the couple that's not driven by fear. Mm, the perfect right? love. Huh, yes. interesting. Okay. So there, there is that, and that's nuanced in Christian approach to EFCT. Now, the third principle that's key is that there are patterns of reacting. So according to EFCT thinking, problems arise when individuals get stuck using certain ways of responding and interacting with each other, driven by things like anger or fear or rejection. Okay. So often couples that will come in, they're already kind of aware of this. They'll say things like, we always get stuck on the same issues. Mm -hmm, We get mm -hmm. stuck in the same place. We have the same pattern. 
And what we help them see is it's driven by emotions, which form these unhelpful patterns of acting as a couple. And those need to be first understood. Yeah. And then deconstructed, like we unpack them. Okay. So they know what's going on. And fourthly, finally, in this part of principles, we help the couple expand their emotional responses. Now, emotions are the main focus of the therapy. It's emotion-focused couples Mm -hmm. therapy, right? (laughs) Yeah. The reason why is because the emotions guide how the couple interacts. It's emotion that gives meaning to perception. It's emotion that motivates and cues attachment or love responses. Okay. And when those emotions are expressed, it communicates something deeper to others, and it also influences how they respond to you. So emotion are so key because what we do as therapists, we help the couples analyze their own emotional responses to conflict and then find new ways to express themselves in order to help them move forward. So instead of doing it the old way, let's change how you present that emotion. Okay. Classic example, a couple showing anger to each other. Yeah. Now there's always something beneath the anger. Mm -hmm. Usually fear is a big one, right? Or some kind of vulnerability. So it's like, well, how can I, how can I move this couple to a place where they can speak out of the fear or vulnerability instead of the anger? Change comes when couples express those newly understood, softer emotions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they express themselves out of that in new ways, instead of using the old hard emotions like anger. Okay. And by accessing this emotion and getting the couple to talk to each other out of this different place, it actually saves you having to do a ton of work going back into their history and their family of origin and dealing with trauma or family of origin issues or those kinds of things. Okay. So you don't have to go and dig back way deep and... Not necessarily. Sometimes we do. And sometimes the couples want that too. Yeah. But it's not the primary goal. Okay. Yeah. So we don't make, we don't take what's happening between the couple in, in the case of most marriage counseling and make it into this huge ordeal of uncovering every stone back to Mm, day one. Okay. I mean, you can go back there and do that, but you don't have to, to change the dynamics in your marriage. Right. Exactly. Okay. Now, all of this too, there's a process and there's nine steps to EFT, nine main steps. I'll go through them pretty quickly, Verlinda. Okay. Um, so this gives you folks, like if you're thinking of starting counseling or working with a marriage therapist, it gives you an idea, like if it's an EFCT therapist, of what the process is going to be like. Yep. Okay. It's not purely linear, but you will go through these nine steps. The first is identifying the conflict issues within the marriage. And I just kind of like, well, what brings you to counseling? Right. So we okay. start there, we find out what you're finding about. The second thing that we do is we identify the negative interaction cycle. And that requires a very skilled therapist so that you can see exactly what is happening. And it's beautiful because when you do this, you can actually diagram it out for the couple, show it to the couple based on what they're telling you. And they often both, like I just see them, they sit back and they're like, yeah, you nailed it. That's how we do it. That's Hmm. what happens. Okay. Okay. And in doing that, the third step is you uncover the unacknowledged emotion relating to the couple's attachment bond, which this underpins the cycle of interaction. So the way that they interact to each other is driven by emotions that are below the surface that they're not currently aware of. So when you diagram this mm. out, you make them aware of those emotions. So you honestly think they're not aware of them or just not voicing them? or No, they're usually not aware of that. I mean, when you ask the questions, they can go there and tell you what's happening beneath, but they oh, don't know that... in the, the moment. Yeah, in the moment, they totally don't have access to it. Nor do they know that this is driving the cycle, which is why they're always stuck because it's unacknowledged. So once you even know that they're there, then you can find them. And Yes. Once you become aware of this, you can show compassion for yourself, for your spouse. Yeah. Yeah. You can choose to speak out of that place instead of like just the superficial stuff that you always squabble over. Okay. And then we reframe the initial problem. So that goes back to what brings them in, right? 
in terms of this cycle of interaction, like this is why you guys do this, right? Mm-hmm. And it's because of these underlying needs. And you, you point out to the couple that nobody set out to create this dance between you, but you're both like, you're victim to this dance. It just happens. Okay. This is how you roll. And then what we want the couple to do is to see that cycle as the enemy instead of their spouse mm-hmm. as the enemy. That's their mm-hmm. negative interaction cycle. So it's kind of a pivot. Like if you imagine two uh, gladiators uh, with swords in an arena and they're facing each other, mm-hmm. that's the couple when they start therapy. Okay. And then we say, actually, there's this invisible foe that's happening between you. And those two gladiators then come and stand beside each other with their swords pointed at the foe, mm-hmm. which is the cycle. Now okay. we have the collaborative alliance piece that I was talking mm-hmm. about, right? Okay. Now, so that's four, five, help the individuals to connect with the attachment needs parts of themselves, which they've been ignoring. So that's a deeper issue, but that's the looking at those deep, often unspoken needs, like the need for reassurance or the need for comfort or a deep sense of shame or unworthiness. Okay. It's really, that's the deeper part. And then as these things become aware, you help the couple to see each other's uh, experience and perspective. And then... With the awareness of all these things, the spouse, each spouse can begin to express their needs in relation to the original conflict issue, but they're not going to engage in, in terms of the cycle. They're going to come out of this new understanding. Okay. Okay. From their new perspective, the new awareness of the deeper emotions. Then when the couple starts doing that, they'll figure out new solutions to old problems. Oh, Okay. And because you've changed their position as a therapist, you don't have to go back through every argument they've ever had and solve them all. They, they have the tools. They do this themselves. Huh. And they take this on with them when they leave in yeah. therapy, right? And from that, because they're now learning to speak out of this place, they develop new cycles, new patterns of behavior. You get a positive cycle yeah. going on. So you begin to spiral upwards instead of down. Interesting. Okay. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, so I give you principles. I give you steps. There's three goals. Okay. The first goal in it is to create a safe collaborative alliance between the spouses where they're both willing to work on their difficulties. This is similar to the, one of the principles that we started with. Yep. This, by the way, is why we do not do marriage counseling when there is, there is an abusive husband in the picture because that issue needs to be resolved first because there's no emotional safety for the wife in that context. Oh, so making yeah. her more vulnerable, going to her deeper emotions, it puts her at greater risk for abuse. Mm, okay. That's a very common mistake made by many regular therapists who do marriage counseling, but have not been specifically trained in it. Okay. Huh. So that's why, you know, it's part of why we emphasize get a marriage therapist for your marriage. Yeah. The second goal is to expand the range of emotions, which guides the couple's interactions. Often they're not aware of all that's going on in their hearts. And EFCT does an incredible job of really building your emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. so you know what's Mm -hmm. going on. The third thing we want to do is to restructure their interactions with with each other so they're moving in a more positive, in a more responsive direction. That's another word. Responsive just means they're responding to each other positively and with care and sensitivity. So they're, they're starting to get each other. Okay. They're responsive. And then that ends up creating a positive interaction cycle. Okay. So those kind of things all overlap. The process, the goals, the whatever you call them. They do for sure. Now on this cycle part, we've also created some bonus training for our much appreciated supporters for our patrons. And the worksheet with today's episode will give you a chance to learn about and practice one part of EFCT, which is finding your deeper emotions and then expressing your needs, those needs more softly to your spouse. And I guarantee if you take the time to comprehend and implement this, it will change your marriage today. It's a really powerful exercise. Mm -hmm. You can get this worksheet and the guide by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And we'll just take a quick 60 second break to tell you more about that. 
What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day to day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Belinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And before the break, we were talking about the goals of EFCT. Let's talk about the effectiveness for Linda. How well does this approach work? What are the Mm -hmm. specific things that make it work well? Okay. Does it work? Yes. That was easy. Thanks for listening today. (laughs) Let's maybe expand on that a little bit. (laughs) All right. EFCT has been shown to be highly effective in alleviating marital distress in couples. This is from a study in 99. So this is a well-established approach. Uh, You see different results in different places, but on the EFCT website, they note that 90% of couples show significant improvements and over half of couples finish the therapy with no marital distress at all. Wow. And what's really interesting is that three months later, an even higher percentage of couples recover their marriage bond. So it's not that you just treat the symptoms and the couple kind of slowly fades back towards distress, but it really equips them and transforms their marriage. Yeah. So they'll leave and they'll take it to a better place yet. That's pretty cool. It is. Yeah. And do you know what I think is really neat about this? What? It's like, yeah, the counselor gives them the tools, but it's the couple that, that does is the work. doing it and yes. is transforming their marriage. Yeah. yeah. And you see that at the end of therapy because uh, classically, like couples are reluctant to finish. They want to go like to every second week and then they want to go to once a month and then yeah, they want to yeah. you know, check in once a quarter. And it's like, okay, here comes the right foot, folks. Like you guys got this. Oh, okay. See you later. Okay. Right. And, and I had one couple say that to me, like, you know what? We, I realized I, we had to go do this because we have all the tools hmm. and it's been working great for them. So Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So there's no, there's no weaning process. It's very empowering. Yeah. What's also interesting is EFCT can also help reduce depressive symptoms and can improve marital quality even for couples who do not consider themselves distressed. So it can improve marriages which are already going well. Huh. Which is cool too. Yeah. So bottom line, it's effective. Now, let me just end up with a few specific factors that tell you why it works. Okay. One is softening. I think I mentioned this word before, or I mentioned softer emotions, but softening is a process where an individual who has previously been very critical of their spouse learns to express the underlying need in less aggressive terms. Typically in a marriage, there's an attack partner and a withdrawal partner, Mm -hmm. a pursue and a withdrawal. Yeah. This is the pursuer slash attacker. They learn to express vulnerability and state what they need from their spouse, like comfort, support, on an emotional level, rather than criticizing what the spouse is doing. Oh, okay. You so always softening. go to the garage and leave me here by myself. Uh-huh. Instead of saying, I feel alone right now. Can you stay with me for a little bit and we can chat? Oh, right? okay. So this softening effect is a specific factor linked to improved marital functioning during therapy. Next one is blaming. So it's moving away from blaming your spouse for the conflict or trying to coerce them into changing the classic marriage 
tactic, hmm. and instead taking a joint or collaborative stance towards problems. That was also linked to better outcomes after treatment. So you go from you are the problem to let's figure out how we get derailed, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So you move away from blaming. And then there's self-disclosure. So couples who are able to disclose more about themselves and their emotional processes receive more support and understanding from their spouse. And that led to a stronger bond and it led to more effective progression through the therapy, being able to reveal. Uh, Yeah. Right? Yeah. And this is where you really create intimacy, right? We teach couples how to open up the deepest recesses of their hearts to each other and how to safely receive that information Mm -hmm. and respond to it. Okay. Beautiful stuff. Yeah. And as well, uh, spouses will begin to feel much more cared for. But this helps too as well, even coming into the counseling, the belief that at some level your spouse still cares for you and often they can't see that past the conflict. Oh, okay. Okay. But it's usually there. Belief that your spouse still cares for you despite your marital problems was an important predictor of success before the therapy starts. And I'll often ask couples like, what is the glue that keeps you together near the start of therapy to assess this? Okay. And see where what that level of care is at. And then forgiveness is important too. So Greenberg et al. In 2009, they studied couples who had been struggling with serious issues of anger and unresolved hurt for over two years. And they found that EFCT was effective in helping couples forgive each other, which led wow. to increases in trust and overall marital satisfaction. Ah. Now, what's also cool is that there are some factors which can affect success in other therapy types, and they can be a problem if they're present. They don't impede the progress of EFCT. Other therapy types, for example, if the couple is older, if the man is emotionally unexpressive, if the couple has very rigid or traditional views about marriage, it makes those marriage therapies less effective. Okay. But it does not make EFCT less effective. Oh, okay. So you don't, it's not like you're going to have to give up, you know, your strong beliefs or convictions or anything like that when you come into EFCT. Right. It just is a way of interacting. It's a way of changing your dynamic. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So this has been a longer episode, but I hope it's given everybody some insight to this for Linda, that to know that EFCT and the counseling that we do in marriage counseling, when we're following these evidence-based approaches, it's not like some magical woo-woo kind of process, but it actually relies on a very strategic approach. Hmm. And what's really amazing is that the approach can adapt to like the thousands of different issues that couples show up with, Right. right? Like everyone... There's no two examples the same, but everybody has this cycle. Huh. What they're fighting over is different. Yeah. What's yeah. bothered them, whatever, right? Okay. And so once again, it's, this is not meant to be a long advertisement, but to demystify the process. But if you are in need of help, do reach out to us via our website at onlyyouforever.com. And we can talk about getting you started into this very effective therapy approach. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting. Really interesting. So we want to thank those of you who have become patrons between this recording and our previous one, Lori and Jean. So thank you to all our supporters. It means a lot each month. Does that make sense? It means a lot that you support us each month. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That- so next week, Caleb. Next week, we're talking about resentment, where it comes from, what it is, how to deal with it in marriage. Is resentment one of those four... Horsemen? No, that's, um, that's from Gottman. Yeah. Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. I think contempt, resent... Yeah. Kind of sounds similar. Interesting. Okay. Well, that is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 171. Find out how you can help marriages. Go to oyf.support. Thanks. And we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Belinda in their mission to save marriages. 
If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.